everybody. Welcome back to the Pop, a.k.a. the Preston Outdoors podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to have the Bollinger Boys from Central North Dakota on, some high school slash college anglers from the state of North Dakota, some of the most dominant high school anglers in the state of North Dakota. And even though bass fishing isn't very popular here, we're going to talk to them about how they've been able to make so many national championships, kind of their mindset going into bass fishing in a state where it's not real popular. We don't have a ton of lakes that have largemouth or smallmouth bass predominantly the northern pike the yellow perch and of course the walleye is what dominates here in our small little corner of the united states so we're going to get them on talk some strategy and kind of talk their mindset maybe why bass fishing overall um get get to know them a little bit more so i'm really intrigued to have them on so without further ado let's get to the bollinger boys all right welcome back to the pop aka the preston outdoors podcast i am here with the bollinger boys brandon and logan guys thanks for hopping on today thanks for having us we're excited. Logan, you're not excited? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. So I, I wanted to have you guys on here. We had a chance to chit-chat. Um, I got to know you guys over the last few years, um, seeing you on the water, fishing a little bit, fishing against each other in some tournaments, and then um, being a boat captain at the high school tournament, stuff like that. So uh, what I wanted to talk to you guys about here um, this week on the show is, first off, like we were just counting the numbers to make sure. And overall, I know I mentioned this in the beginning of the show, um, the intro bass fishing in the state of North Dakota is really, really small. It's young when it comes to high school fishing. What do we talk about? This would be the seventh year. Of seventh high school year fishing. Of this year. Yep. Yep. Seventh year. So it's not real popular. It's growing just like all across the country. We are definitely a step behind. Um, for anybody listening that's from our state of North Dakota, yes, we are a very, we are more than a few steps behind when it comes to the world of bass fishing. I want to have you guys on here today, this week, because pretty much you guys have dominated the high school fishing when it comes to the, the TBF and nationals and stuff like that. Um, one of some of the questions I had for you before we jump into that is obviously you haven't been on the show before. Where are you guys from? Kind of what your ages are, and if you're going to high school, college, that kind of thing, let everybody know that's listening, kind of where you're at in the age group, per se. So uh, we're from Bismarck. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, Brandon. I'm 8 or 20. <laughs> I'm 18. I'm Logan. I'm 18. So, Brandon, are you in college then? I'm in college, yeah. going to be a welder. BSC. So. Are, you, are you fishing there at BSC, though? I sure am. So you, did you start the fishing club there? Did they have that yeah, before you got there? I started the club last year. So okay. I'm the only one in the club, but <laughs> <laughs> there's still a club. Yeah, there's st there's still a club. And Logan, you're gonna be a senior this year. I'm a senior, yeah, at Century. Okay, at Century High School. Sweet. So I want to talk about what to do. Why bass fishing? Like honestly, I talked about this in the intro. We've got world class northern pike fishing. We've got world class yellow perch. Obviously, walleyes. Everybody knows that. What got you guys kind of in the, the start of bass fishing in general? You know, I was thinking, I have to say, we, we always used to fish. We never had a boat, and our dad never had a boat for the longest time. Never had a boat. And so we'd always just fish from shore. And usually, bass are pretty abundant when it comes to shore fishing. And we always had this one spot, and we just hammered big smallmouth all the time. And then I also think that when we started bass fishing, it was right when, like, the whole YouTube craze started going, like, John B. and, you know, the Guggen Squad, the original. Like, that was really taking off. And I, I think that plays part yeah. of it, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's crazy, because I was like, I know why I started bass fishing. I've talked about it before. My grandpa and grandma are from Texas. So my I started fishing my when I 
growing up with my dad would go fishing with my grandpa after they got, you know, my mom and dad got married. And it, we, he brought a float tube, a styrofoam <laughs> float tube. Oh, and my. yeah, that's, and I still have it. Um, <laughs> when he cleaned out his garage, I said, I am keeping that. I don't know where it's at right now. I think it's in one of the outbuildings there, but it's a styrofoam float tube was popular in Texas. Going from that to my dad working at a farm, bringing home a tractor tire inner tube, two of them, my mom sewing us material around it and a Y so we could sit in it and <laughs> tying it. My mom and dad went to Shields, bought those actual legit float tubes. And we were getting pulled around small lakes around the house here that have bass in them. And the first day I remember, I'll never forget. Got, I told my dad, I said, I want to go over here. I'm going to untie the stringer. And I went over there and I caught like a four pounder on a uh, torpedo and it drug me across the lake and my mom was screaming the whole time. <laughs> so I have a little bit of family connection, you know, from down South. That's basically why we got started bass fishing. So that's why I want to ask you guys. And so you're finding out that when you got started and didn't have a boat, kind of like what I did, you had areas where you could go and target bass from shore. Yeah. 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 We used to, we caught one of my, our biggest smallmouth five something pounder came right from shore on a little crankbait when they were spawning. And so I think that really hooked us. I mean, we go down there every morning, you know, Saturday morning with our grandpa, if our dad was, you know, doing something else. And yeah, we'd go for hours and just sit there and cast nonstop. Right at the boat ramp. It's crazy that you were able to find a spot where you could catch bass, even though mm -hmm. we don't have that many bass lakes in the state. Yeah. And then, oh, shoot, was it about 10 years ago? We got our first boat. And well, then, we started on yeah you're right oh, yeah we'd yeah we'd pull up and we'd sit and catch bass off that thing then we got a boat and we walleye fish but we got so sick and tired of pulling spinners around that we're like heck with this we got to go cast for something so i think yeah after that it was just history bass fishing ever since <laughs> so that's cool you guys kind of started from the ground roots of bass fishing in the state didn't have an influence outside kind of like um like what i had so uh, growing up, were you throwing crankbaits mostly from shore, or what was your kind of your yep. go-to setup? Yeah, jointed. Yep. Oh, yep. the jointeds. Money. Oh yeah, had to be the joint. Yeah, the crawfish color. Yep, too. had to be crawfish color, nonstop. And, and for me, it was the perch color. Perch color. Yeah. <laughs> we went down to a little lake called Clawson Springs. I'm not blowing it out of the water because you can't even use your freaking big motor on it. That's where <laughs> I got pulled around on the tube. And there was abundance of yellow perch in there. And we'd throw those, we'd go fish topwater in the morning. And then when the topwater stopped, we'd whip out the jointeds and just burn them. And the perch would hit it like as, they would never get caught in the mouth. They were always like hooked in the side or the face. And we'd go catch yellow perch one after one after one after. And then we used to go to Ashtabula to the dam in the summertime with our canoe. And we'd like canoe down the rocks of the dam. And you try and <laughs> parallel with a, with a perch colored jointed and that's how you'd catch like 12 inch smallmouth and that <laughs> i know what you're talking about when it comes to the jointed i never throw yeah. them anymore but that was the deal no, no i haven't thrown one probably in eight years we hate crankbaits now but back then that was the deal <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so that was kind of really was my next thing what's your favorite what's your guys's style what's your favorite way to catch them you know you're talking uh, bass fishing we like to sit and drag slow yeah like okay Ned rigs, drop shots. We probably caught more Carolina rigs. Yeah. Jigs. We probably won more tournaments and caught bigger fish on drop shots than probably any other lure. Really? Yeah. Even guys, like anywhere in the country. Like in Hartwell are, and stuff. Yeah. When, well, when we went to Hartwell, we took 11 on a drop shot yep. all through. 
And then when me and Ryan were at that game, I think I caught one bass on a spoon and every other bass we ate in pink drops. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are young bodies, but old souls sitting there just yeah. dragging around. Yeah. Yeah, the decks usually has, like, what, 10 spinning rods and one bait caster just to, like, show our bass guys. You know? Yeah. One <laughs> finesse spoon bait. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like the, the Kitex stuff? Yeah, yep. like three inch. Mm-hmm. For small mouth, I mean, mm-hmm. net rig, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about it. But we'd yeah. rather, we like to sit there. Put the trolling around spot lock and drag for hours. Keep moving. See, that's a, that's kind of the way I am. Like, especially if I'm really from like my crutch that I found in tournament fishing is that I almost believe in a spot too much at times. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm yeah. like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And I'm doing <laughs> the same thing. Either you're throwing a moving bait over there, or you slow down with something slow, hop a jig, whatever. So I, I believe, and especially when I was when I first started tournament fishing. Because I had always, when I was a kid, I mean, I didn't, we had a small boat or the canoe or a paddle boat or something. So I would fish behind guys that already fished areas. And so I would like, especially if I was flipping lily pads or something, or had a frog, I'd hit every single hole and you just, I would catch fish behind people. So I always believed that I just, I need to soak every single thing, kind of like what you're talking about, or drag every little rock or whatever, because I feel like I can get a bite there. But when it came to tournament fishing, when I started doing that after college, I'd end up getting burned because in practice I would soak every little thing and I'd never see three quarters of the lake. So I'd go mm-hmm. in my tournament and I'd go fish this one little area that I got some bites in. Weather would obviously change, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, there's no fish here. So <laughs> I I definitely can relate to where you guys are. Like I would love my ideal situation is one little area, run there, never touch the big motor again unless I got to run across a bay or something. And I would love to flip every little piece of co- visual cover like that would be my ideal situation for a turn yeah that's like the most fun. well i think we've had probably three or four tournaments where our batteries are dead yeah they're years. always dead <laughs> when we're in sturgeon bay our motor didn't start yeah when we're in lacrosse our motor didn't start <laughs> with like five minutes left thank god we had a powerful charge because i don't know if we would make that no <laughs> spot lock runs too much <laughs> the live scope all day yeah you're right that kills you so you guys are you big live scopers then obviously yeah yeah i mean i don't know i could live without it but i could also no we were using we didn't have it the other day i felt like i was blind because <laughs> <laughs> oh, i know when, when i ran into you guys uh, last spring I and mean, i just put the 360 on my boat before i went to virginia with that with that skeeter and i mean you guys came by and we're talking. You're like, yeah, there. You guys are in a good spot. There's fish up there. I'm like, well, I don't see them on this brick. Of course, the water's dirty, but I'm like, yeah, I, I guess so. And first time using the 360, and I was like, well, you know, you guys obviously had used the live scope some, and I know you guys had, had done a bunch of it. I just didn't know if that's something you'd done because you have it, or it's something you know maybe you are obviously relying on a lot. I don't know. I I like them before we have to catch them now. Yeah. I, I like it honestly more, not only in bass fishing, I don't look for bass near as much on it as like structure. Like you can find like where that, you know, there's a two foot drop and you'll never even see it on your sonar or like, uh, you know, like looking for brush piles that might have fish late at a later time or something like that. That's what we use it for a lot actually is just finding like the one little spot to continuously cast at. So do you guys have a 360 on your boat at all? No. 
We'd like yeah. to get one someday, but we got to Got to find a good deal sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about some live scope stuff like that. What I want to talk about, we'll get back to some of that. I, I want to dive into the nitty gritty, everything. But the main topic I want to have you guys on here, as we talked about before, the winningest high school anglers, whatever. This is the seventh year that we've had it. And you guys have won how many times over the last seven years? I mean, state championship has been four. Four state championships. I don't even like know how many. Eight or nine or more. I don't even know how many there's been. Well, yeah, because there's some years there's just a state championship qualifier. Some years there's like different qualifiers to get in. I mean, it changes every single year, but at least at least state championships, you won four out of the last seven. Yep. Yeah. And so you guys have switched off. You guys were partners for how many of them? Four. Four. Year four. No, I mean, uh, Brandon and Logan were partners for a couple, and then Logan, weren't you partners with, uh, with Ryan, Ryan for the last one? Yep. Yep, the last two were me yeah, so you guys have won two together, and then your younger brother, Ryan, how old is he? 14. 14, yeah. And yeah. you guys have won two. So that this year, obviously, Brandon's not able to fish it, but Logan and Ryan will fish the, the championship or tournament or whatever this year. Yeah. So you guys got a, what, one more year then, at least as brothers for tournament reasons, to get another to, to try and qualify again. Yeah. And next year, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> your mom and dad aren't having another one just to keep her going here <laughs> so you guys the winning is high school anglers in the north state of north dakota you won four out of the seven state championships to go to nationals um obviously what are you guys' thoughts on this um you excited about it i know you're t- walk us through kind of what you're thinking well yeah, we're definitely excited about it i mean yeah when we first started what it yeah six years ago now it was we lost the first two like really bad and it was yeah and then we got was it 98 98 bass Bass cat 1998 bass cat (laughs) with a 200 on it and it was like ever since then we were like yeah we're done sucking we want to we want to win now and uh ever since we haven't lost the high school tournament since so and so like is there a different obviously you talked about your mind or not wanting to suck but is there a, a different mindset going into these tournaments um or is it something that you do Obviously, every tournament you do, or are you treating the high school ones a little bit different? You know, mm-hmm. I think back then it was just like we felt like we could compete, which I like to tell people that's you don't need the boat does not mean that you can like that doesn't mean if you can compete or not. But back then when we were younger, that was definitely like part of the thing. It was like, okay, now you know your nerves were settled right away in the morning or even before t- the tournament even started. You know, you felt like you got a shot at it versus I think that was. Cause I'm a big, like tournaments are a lot of mind games in it too, rather than just fishing or, you know, just your skill in fishing. So I think that helped a lot back then, but well, and we were so new to bass fishing, yeah, like on a boat, we always mm-hmm. just fished on shore. So, but yeah. like preparing for them, I mean, we usually don't do any different than most tournaments. I guess when we prepare for tournaments, like pre-fishing and stuff, we don't use hooks the entire week before, you know, okay. we'll, we'll pre-fish the weekend before with hooks. If we act, if we need to, like now we don't really pre-fish anymore because our lakes aren't that big here and there's not really a whole lot of new spots, but yeah, we don't use, we'll check spots a couple of times, you know, in the week before with no hooks and just, yeah, we know, we know where the fish are for the fish even know where they are, but mm-hmm. And it makes sense. I mean, they're not big yeah. lakes and patterns pretty much 
are the are the same. So you're talking about no hooks. Are you taking hooks off your crankbaits? Are you guys are you using hitchhikers for your soft plastics? Like what are what is your guys' strategy going into uh, that? We usually we usually just, oh go ahead you can talk you can talk. Well, I guess it depends on the bait, but like if it's a plastic, we just bend the hook or cut it. Okay. And sometimes you still catch the fish, which kind of yeah. sucks. But <laughs> on a bent hook, but but then like on swim jigs and chowder baits, we just get like string tubing and melt it on the hook. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty I've good. Done that before. <laughs> uh, one of two of the biggest fish I caught in practice for the James River this past year came on a square bill where I bent the hooks so the point was touching the shaft. <laughs> and I was reeling it and it goes dunk and I went click my bail and I let it run and I went pulled on a little bit. That's a nice fish. <laughs> you can let go now. You can let go. There's a boat behind me. Jumps. It's a five pounder. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. That guy didn't see it. And I'm feeding it line. I brought it in and I went down and scooped it by the belly over the side of the boat. And I don't know how it did it, but the hook was touching the barb or the barb was touching the shaft of the hook bent. All, all six of them were bent in and it skin hooked itself. <laughs> the, and this is two days before the tournament. So three or four days before I'd done that, whatever. And then later that day, I caught a four and a half pounder. Same thing. Don't <laughs> let it run off. And then I got so pissed. I went and I just cut all the hooks off. So there's, you know, just behind the barb. So there's just little hangers there with nothing. Didn't get another bite after that. And I didn't catch a single fish on a square bill in the tournament. But I was just like, I've been here for five days. I'm catching a two pounder every now and then. And then two of the biggest fish come on a thing. And I'm not even planning on, well, I was just pissed. I was not happy. Yeah. I think I did that once too. It was like wrapped around the, the shank of the hook and it's like yeah, somehow gets on there. Mad. Yeah, Logan was mad because I was like throwing it. And I'm like, dude, the hook's been over. It's okay. And I like set the hook as a joke and all of a sudden I catch this like five pounder right before the tournament. And I was like, oh my gosh, I felt so bad. But <laughs> yeah, you weren't in the tournament. No, you were just with us for fun. Hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No wonder you're pissed. Yeah, it was okay. I, that was smaller. It was a smaller fish than they even had. Their five fish were all bigger than that one. Was that so Ashtabula? Okay. No, it was at Nelson. Oh, that was year. Nelson. Twenty-seven yeah. pounds or whatever it was. Because that you guys at that time you had the, or it, it might be I'm not familiar for hundred percent sure, but is it the biggest or second biggest stringer ever caught or weighed in a tournament in North Dakota for bass fishing? We like to say that it is the biggest, but that's all unofficial. But yeah, it was twenty-six and a half, and the biggest three because if before in North Dakota tournaments, it was always three fish limits. Yep. It would have been 17.1 pounds, I think, for the biggest five. So That was the biggest, was 17? No, your your bag would have been 17.1. Oh. The previous biggest documented was 15.29 or something like that, 15.3. Yeah, because so, for people that are listening that don't know, North Dakota has a no-call rule. So beforehand, we used to do partnered tournaments. The way you could kind of get around that is, is you'd weigh in. You could put six fish. In state of North Dakota, if you put a fish in your live well, it is illegal for you to return it to the water. Even if you're giving it a break, you catch a big walleye, something like that, you cannot return it. That's just a state rule. So to get around that, you fish tournament par or partner tournaments. You can put three per person in your live well. You have six. You can weigh in your biggest three, and then the tournament director – has a live release permit from the North Dakota Game and Fish, and then you're able to put your fish back. In the recent years, what they were talking about, there are a few lakes that they have implemented a five-fish limit per person. So to get around that again, you have could have 10 fish in your live well, weigh in your best five. That's kind of how we call, per se, here 
um, to get around the no the no call rule. So there are a few tournaments where there has been five fish weighed in. Um, like when we fish Ashtabula, when we saw you guys last, my dad and I were fishing. You can weigh in five fish. Otherwise, everything else before that, and that's only been two or three years now that that's have changed for some lakes. Otherwise, like you said, it has been a three fish limit. So um, if you're looking at those numbers and you're listening from not familiar with the area or what we've got going on here, we're definitely behind the times when it comes to the call rule. And so that's where yeah, 17 yeah. pounds. It's, for, yeah. For it fish. sucks here, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a fish. And that's, I mean, that's a, that's a big bag for a state that what's our, what's our um, state record? Like eight, some pounds, eight and a half. Eight and a half. And I don't think that'll ever be broken again. I mean, you don't think so. That was one of my questions I had you for no. you guys is, do you think it'll be broke? No. Cause I haven't even, we were even talking about this the other night too. We haven't really heard of a fish over what, maybe seven one something. over seven in the last, since the record was broken. Oh, people have caught years. sevens, but, but no one's caught eight. No one's caught eights. I've never heard of an eight pounder ever. And why do you think, why do you think that? Like, obviously how old's the record? Old? Yeah, it's like 35 or 30 years. Yeah. Uh, 80s. 80s. So what, yeah. what do you think's changed? Nelson Lake is getting a lot more pressure than it used to be. And mm -hmm. I think the lake's on a, it's on a downswing. The power plant doesn't run like it used to. And so like this year, this winter, the whole lake was pretty much frozen over like the entire thing. Cause they don't run. They had both units down. So there was iced over and that really stuns fish growth. I think. Yeah. Cause like I said, the, this power plant, like they're talking about, it's basically the, the fact the place where you can catch most of the fish in North Dakota, but they're Florida strain. Correct. I, I don't know. I mean, told I'm... me they were Florida strain out there. They, they they might be they, they have to have something in them that's because not. they don't act like a normal bass no they act no. like a florida bass like if it's two yes. degrees colder they just don't bite or a couple bite windows i've been on with my dad will go down i mean you go down the same bank over and over again all day and all of a sudden like for 27 minutes it's as fast as you can get them three four pounders right. and then all of a sudden the rest of the day it shuts off and you're catching a mm -hmm. dink here a dink there so like to me i've never fished in florida but everything you read and watch, that says, and somebody told me that they had Florida strain in there. So that's where I was under the impression that they did. They might. I, I have no idea. I mean, they get big like Florida strains do. I mean, they get giant heads and small mm -hmm. bodies usually. And the long, where our normally really the northern long. strain yeah. is large mouth is a, you know, a shorter, compact sure. football style fish. You know, like yeah, a five pounder could be 20, 20 inches, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like we've caught a bunch at Nelson that they're like super long and they have heads of seven pounders, but they just have no bodies. And that's typical for a southern a southern bass. Because mm -hmm. I caught a couple bass on Lake Fork that were 23, 24 inches long, and they were like five and three quarter or, <laughs> or maybe a tish over six, you know, six pounds. Yeah. And then the, the seven and seven, six that I caught that was there that was 24 inches. The only thing different than the other two I caught or three I caught when I was there, it actually had a gut. So maybe it ate three more crappie by the time I <laughs> caught it. Like that's the only difference yeah. between them. So let, I want to go back to your strategy. I think you guys' strategy is pretty interesting. Why a week before the tournament? Or are you talking week of the tournament if you're practicing? There are some theories that I've heard um, doing some of the opens and stuff. Guy, I hear it. You can't use a hook within a week before. Or you can't use a hook between 72 hours, 36 hours. Fish are stupid. They have a brain the size of a peanut. It really doesn't matter. Like, where's your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I don't know how long it takes them for, for them to bite again, but I feel like if you go out the day or two before and you 
catch them on hooks, I just feel like you're not going to catch. I mean, you're still going to catch them, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same amount or the same size. We don't want to take the chance. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's... There's, been a, there's been a lot of tournaments where like we'll have our stuff and we'll sit there with no hooks and, you know, someone will pre-fish the day before on that stuff. And they're like, yeah, I hammered them yesterday. And then they don't catch anything the day of the tournament. Well, it's like, well, because you just caught all those fish and, you know, and it sucks for us too, because they just burned up the spot the day before when they're trying to find fish, but. Yeah. And if the spots are small, the more inadvertently somebody's going over the same spots that you probably have on your milk run and then they're yeah. they're hooking it in there so you're what basically your thoughts are since it's pressured on these lakes and they're i say pressured from the tournament angler i mean obviously we're not getting the you know 12 month 365 right. you know whatever we have ice cover that kind of thing but these spots and lakes are so small and when you have a tournament that runs 10 15 maybe 20 30 boats whatever for a club tournament or whatever you have inadvertently there's going to be people fishing your your stuff so just take your your site your giant reservoirs you have down south and you've got thousands of anglers now you're getting maybe a hundred i don't know what's what's the size lake that you guys fish for a tournament like how big is nelson how many acres nelson's 500 acres 500 acres it's tiny and some of the lakes are smaller that you fish tournaments on nelson half of it people don't even fish so yeah. you so you cut that in half if you're at a 250 acre acres. lake and you've got 20 30 whatever boats you have out there so obviously we have we have pressure from the tournament community not so much as the recreational community so you're taking the into fact that it, you're gonna you're not going to be the boat that's pressuring them as much per se and you're taking one more boat out of the equation for the hooks yep and i mean we know how big fish are by the way they bite and mm-hmm. you know what they do so we can kind of tell if the big ones are there, if they move to a different spot or whatever, because pretty much it's like most of our lakes here, there's like two or three main areas that fish sit on. And it's just kind of either who gets to the spot first or which one they decide to sit on that day that you catch them on. So, so do you care to elaborate on your big fish bite? What do you tell the difference or is that a in-house secret? Uh, well, I mean, it's just basically Nelson. Like any other lake is like, ah, whatever, you don't really know for sure. But mm-hmm. like Nelson, like we fish the same spot and the same lures so many times. It's you like, know, you can kind of feel it. And you've set the hook in fun fishing enough to know that that yeah. bite equals this size caliber of fish. So it, basically it you're taking like... you're taking like your live scope and people look at a fish and say, that's a certain fish. You're dragging whatever and going, yeah, that's a certain size. That's a certain size, even though you don't have a hook. It's honestly, big fish don't bite. It's, it's like more... just weight. Like yeah. you'll be pulling Mushy. and yeah mm-hmm. it's just if you if you pull and you're like oh what the heck's happening it's a big one if you mm-hmm. feel a thump it's a tiny one every time you know yeah but. that's interesting for people even if you're listening for fun fishing i, I know the same thing it's the equivalent to when your bobber goes down you know ice fishing and it takes off well you know it's probably small when that mm-hmm. walleye or whatever just hits it and it ta- painstakingly goes down slow <laughs> you're like okay this is probably a better a better mm-hmm. quality fish so for that, you guys have won a bunch. Um, obviously, Brandon, you're in college and you're fishing. Are you guys, uh, Logan, do you have any aspirations to kind of fish in college or anything like that? Well, I think I will a little. Then I'll be Brandon's teammate too. But yep. I don't know. The MLF high school or uh, college, they switched it now where it's there's not divisions. It's just like seven tournaments. Okay. And like, I mean, maybe we'll fish one close to home, but like before what well, how did it go like the top 10 in your division would fish the national championship well yeah. now in order to qualify for that you got to fish all seven i think 
and they're always in like far places. Close, I know the closest one's 16 hours yeah. from our house. So it's and then I'm really I want to do Bassmaster, but what is it? You have to have so many members in the club yeah, for you have college. To have like 10 teammates or something. Oh wow. So I mean 10 that... teams, so 20 guys. Yeah. Yeah. It'll never happen here. No. And that's a struggle we talked about for being small. Like we we can barely limp along to get a bass nation. Like we were talking about before we started recording. Um, this, this is the second year that we'll have a bass nation tournament, but it's a team tournament. It's not an individual style like every other state has. Um, we tried TBF. We could barely get, we could hardly ever get 50 boats. And that was combining with like Montana to try and even have the TBF Federation stuff here. Um, so it's, it's pretty. It's so small here that yes, we have tournaments. You can do club stuff, but to be able to to qualify and move up and along the ladder to fish nationals or even try and make the classic and stuff, it's it's virtually impossible to do. Yeah, and those college ones, it's tough to fish against. Not only you know if you're single like by myself and fishing alone, but you have to fish against a Texas college that has twelve teams there all sharing information. I mean, not that you can't do it, but it's tough to find something that you know that's you can win against all those people yeah so after college are you thinking about doing anything like either you know whatever mlf has to however they name their tournaments or the opens or anything like that yeah, you guys open, have aspirations sure. yeah yeah we're we're gonna do the opens that would be fun yeah we're, we're gonna we both talked about it we're gonna save up and give her like at least a four-year like send and then if it doesn't work maybe revisit it when we're like 55 and have plenty of time 55 (laughs) heck no have you guys thought about jumping in as a co-angler first no i don't know not we haven't thought about it too much the reason i jumped in as a co-angler first is my entry fee goes from 450 to 1800 dollars right off the rip yeah and i think on average we can talk about this um off a recording too, if you guys want more information, because I calculate everything from gas to mileage. I mean, I have a long, I've got papers stacked in here because I write it all out by hand to try and figure out the prices. And you're looking at, I would say, easily 25% or at least 50% less cost per tournament just by going as a co-angler. And the one thing I'll say, even though it sucked, I had to fish behind guys. I had a couple guys that, you know, are complete douchebags, everything like that. The reason why I'm able to fish with my buddy Kent or a couple of these other guys is because I met him as a co-angler and I've got a couple other people that I could call up if I needed help fishing as a co-angler. And honestly, I learned a lot more. You learn stuff from them, obviously, and fishing outside the state. But what I learned is the baits that I, I exceeded my confidence. Obviously, I fish like you guys fish out of boat. You know, when you get older, you fish. I fish the club tournaments on the eastern side of the state and some in Minnesota. But it, you know what your confidence baits are. But when you then you knock that down to six rods, you're <laughs> like, oh, God, I better make sure I have like my <laughs> confidence baits to a T. Obviously, I had a drop shot tied up. I caught them all across the country on a robo, robo worm, pink worm. Didn't matter where I was at. But. And then it also made me think about gear because I've got four or five of the same rod and reel combos over here. And I'm able to take one rod and do four or five different things with and just cut it off and retie something on. So obviously making the jump to a boater, you'd have to you know maybe wait a little bit longer and do like that. I am a big proponent for the co-angler side of things just for the connections that you can make. Because if you think about it, this is something I ran into this year. I went from like 
most of the boaters, when you go to like, I call him up, I got a boater. He was good, whatever. I call him up for the next tournament. Hey, I'm here for this many days. Can I practice with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll tell you what he's doing, all that stuff. You know, all of them will. As soon as you become a boater, nobody's your friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah. I, I share information. Kent, my buddy Kent and I 100% share information together. Um, but anyway, else you run into somebody more than likely 95% of the time, they're just going to lie to your face. And it's yeah. like, I feel disconnected at some point with that because everybody's so guarded as a co-angler. They just willy nilly let you, let you in on a bunch <laughs> of stuff. So not trying to talk you into the co-angler thing. That's just what I found from doing it. And at that point, that's all I could afford. And it was allowing me to fish the highest level that I could reach. And that was the opens on the co-angler side. Yeah. We, we might have to do a co-angler for, you know, a year or two, like together like that. It'd be perfect to travel around. We like yeah. to do a lot of like, um, what are they like the national North American bass challenge, like other tournaments that aren't like bass or MLF, but like mm -hmm. still big tournaments against like Sturgeon, like Bay, Sturgeon Open. Bay open. That one's really fun. And you're fishing against pro bass fishermen and well, just pro fishermen in general, a lot of yeah. all like too, but mm -hmm. yeah. And then, really what's the league or one that you guys have done in lacrosse? That's major league fishing. That's major league fishing. Okay. That's a high school one. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys have done well there too, haven't you? Yeah. Well, last year we took fifth, and then the year before we we thought we really had her in the bag, but we had some boat problems. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I broke the boat <laughs> before they left. I guess I, I idled <laughs> into a rock. I, I idled into a rock pile at like five miles an hour, and it shouldn't have really done anything. And so uh, they got there, and what happened? The the motor mounts well, broke or something. So the motor mounts broke. So, and we didn't know that until we got to the cross on the Mississippi river and we load the boat. It must've been like a Wednesday night, like first day of pre-fishing and we trim up the motor and the whole thing's rocking back and forth. Like, Oh shoot, <laughs> that's not good. So the next morning we get up early and take it to the Marine shop there. And he's like, yeah, your motor mounts are broken. And I'm like, gosh. So we're calling a dealership in Bismarck asking what the heck to do. No one has the parts or anything. And oh, they're like, no. oh, you got to you gotta get that boat home. You can't be out there. We're like, heck no, we're not driving home. So we drive back. It's Team Marine. So we drive to Team Marine in the cross. And he's like, yeah, I don't got the part, but I got a rashes strap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get this rashes strap. And we basically rashes strap the motor to like, I, I'm going to call it the jack plate area. Mm -hmm. So the thing's rashes strapped on. He's like, this will work. But don't hit anything <laughs> and you know the mississippi that's kind of there's a lot of things to hit yeah so we're out there and it held up fine and we we had like a day of pre-fishing then we found a lot of big fish mm -hmm. and then so tournament morning we ran to a community hole you had the, you had the second place bag tournament day right yeah you, you would have had second place with the fish you had in the live well sorry i interrupted you, well but... yeah we were going we fished to like community hole and then on our way to like our juice the lower unit all the gears were shredded from hitting the rock pile the week before <laughs> so yeah we were stuck in the middle of the mississippi river and we couldn't make the way in yeah because that's the, they, had, they had the second place bag and had to let them go had to let them go because that's the same tournament that zane and wyatt slung a ear on their prop yeah that's the same year i remember that mm -hmm. so first off you i i had to go back up a little bit you think you hit a rock pile? Like that's something no, that the guy knows. No, I hit it. I just the it, prop was folded in half. He goes, well, the way he's, the way Brandon says, like 
yeah, I, I guess I hit a rock pile at five miles an hour. I, usually, you know, if you hit a rock pile. Yeah. No, I if did. my dad was feeling better, he's up in his bedroom sick. He'd come down and tell you this story. <laughs> I hit a rock pile, but it was weird. Like, it was like, a you know, when you're idling mm-hmm. four or five miles an hour and you hear a bump, bump, you know, and you trim up your motor. Like, that's all it was. Nothing like out of the ordinary. You think it was, you thought it was a skid plate. Just Yeah. Well, in the prop was like. The one blade was a little folded, you know, but nothing that hasn't happened before. And all of a yeah. sudden, I don't know, like this boat, like the other guy had hit something once before and it finally like sheared off. The Ethan, don't listen to him. The, the skank <laughs> had a chunk taken out and the and a stainless prop was bent in half. <laughs> is this is this? I remember at the Ashbula tournament, I asked you guys, I was like, oh, Brandon doesn't Brandon doesn't drive. And Logan's like, no, I drive the yeah. boat. No. My, my dad doesn't. <laughs> he gets nervous when Brandon drives. I don't drive. <laughs> Logan's the faster driver anyway. That's cool. That's cool. Because that was one of the questions that I thought about when my dad and I were there idling. I was like, geez, usually, you know, Brandon's the older one. Maybe he'd be driving, but no, Logan was there and Brandon was just in the <laughs> on the front deck ready ready to roll. I got to fight him for the trolling motor, though. <laughs> oh, that's that was another thing. How do you guys, like, what's your dynamic there? You guys yelling at each other during the day? Getting oh, he yells each all other? the time. He's always yelling at me. And Logan's just cool, calm, mind like water, mind like water. Yeah, yeah. I usually yell, but it's never, it's over in like 10 seconds and we get back to fishing. So, yeah. <laughs> I usually run the trolling motor. For some reason, you sit back there and just like crush big ones all the time. I'll be doing whatever, switching up rods all the time, you know, just making sure that we're not covering Check all it. the bases. And, yep. and Logan's just sitting there with a drop shot nonstop and always putting fish. In so, the are you guys so. sitting on the front deck or wanting to sit on the back deck? No, we both usually, on the we front, both usually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a weird, it's a weird, uh, uh, my buddy Kent and I, we fish Thursday night, uh, derbies down by Alexandria. Uh, this is our second year doing it. And it's kind of weird. Like, cause he's got his own boat. I got my own boat and he's like six, four and I'm <laughs> kind of a little wider than the most guys. And I was like, I should, I want to be up front, you know, and I try and go up yeah. front, but he's going to He'll just sling and I don't want to get hit. So I'll just end up fishing in the back of the boat. And then if something, <laughs> you know, then if he gets a fish, I'll hop up there and we'll drive around. And then I'll give him his, cause we use his boat. So I don't pull mine down there, but it's, it's a different dynamic. And if you haven't done it all the time, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, my buddy Connor, you've probably seen some videos and stuff. He'll come behind me and he'll stand up in the front. You know, he wants to be up front and I have no problem with it. And he'll take my trolling motor sometimes. And I just I always tell him, don't stand over my right shoulder. That's I said, that's a rod's coming or a bait's coming. And he'll, as the day goes on, he'll creep up, creep up, creep up. And, and I, I, there's usually even with drop shot, maybe with spinner rod, but everything else safety's off. Like I just snap it and the rod will always go behind. And I've hit him multiple times or we've been punching and a one ounce weight will come out at him. And finally he'll like slowly move his way back. Yeah. Uh, Logan, so I don't know if it's like brothers or something. We hardly ever have any sort of problems. I mean, really ever like hooking mm-hmm. each other or anything. But one time in our first ever Banneth tournament, our first ever win in a tournament, uh, it was it was one of the jigs you made out. Yeah, it was one of your jigs. We snagged it like two days before pre-fishing, and Logan's like, "This is the best jig ever." We like we're hammering fish on your hand-tied jig. It was the jig, the peanut, the PB and J, yeah, jigs. peanut butter and jelly. Yes. And, so we're sitting there and uh it was like 8 30 in the morning like tournament like an hour in or something and i'm sitting on the front deck and logan for some reason decides he's gonna wind up and bomb one out deep 
and hits me right in the back of the head, knocks me out cold on the front of the deck. Oh, <laughs> and your your jig snapped. So Logan's like mad. The jig snapped. Didn't even realize I was out on the brothers deck. slept on the front deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so my dad runs up. He's like, Brandon, Brandon, you okay? And all this and that. And so I'm like half like knocked out, you know. And I I come come back and. I'm like all dizzy and stuff. By that time, I'm tied up and casting again. Yeah, so he's casting. He has a fish <laughs> on. And like, we didn't have anything in the box yet. So he's got a fish on. He's bringing it in. I'm trying to like get the net while I'm still like dizzy and knocked out. I miss the fish. Fish gets off. And so we're like, holy smoke. So then we go back to the truck to get some like aspirin or something. Because like my head was pounding. Yeah. And uh, we decided we were going to just fish this spot right next to the... um the boat ramp and we won it off that spot. It was just loaded. So that's, yeah, that's one of our favorite stories. <laughs> I've never heard that. You've never told me that he found one of my jigs. He snagged it. Yep. Yeah. It's still in the lake now. Is it one of those, was it a little round ball head one? Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I can't even remember. It was, we were just fishing in the, the canal at Nelson, the discharge. Yeah. And I, yeah, I snagged it and I knew it was yours. Cause I'd seen you You'd fishing like two days before. Yeah. That. Yeah. With that jig. <laughs> 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 yeah because i was floating it through there in the current and they'd come mm-hmm. over the brush pile and they'd snatch it up and then it, mm-hmm. it's it was inevitable it was going to happen if you cast too far it's going to suck it on the back side of those sticks mm-hmm. and then you're, you're screwed <laughs> yeah that is awesome well yep. if you need more i can make more okay <laughs> <laughs> we might <laughs> that's an awesome jig <laughs> oh that's awesome so another thing i want to ask you guys large mouth or small mouth what's your go-to uh small mouth I don't know. That's a tough question. It is. I don't know. I mean, Brandon answered it really quick. I'm a smallmouth guy. I mean, it's probably part of it's because every lake in this state, pretty much that we fish, is all smallmouth. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But think, okay, largemouth. You can catch them. I mean, you can catch smallmouth anyway, too. But largemouth, there's so many options. You know what I mean? Yeah. Think about well, if you wanted to go catch a giant, say. 10 pound largemouth or a seven pound smallmouth seven pound smallmouth 10 pound largemouth. seriously oh man i'd go to sturgeon bay right now if i could and go catch big smallmouth i don't know i just like catching bass yeah that's that's the politically correct answer to the question logan yeah (laughs) to me it comes down to gear smallmouth obviously more finesse stuff whatever lighter whatever i know you can there's instances where you can catch largemouth on light stuff and smallmouth on big stuff but if you can give me a shallow thick um vegetation largemouth bite where i can swing a seven four heavy and eight foot heavy with 40 50 60 pound (laughs) braid yes please like that is or close contact even if i'm flipping 30 pound braid with a texas rig or a jig that kind of thing and it's i'm so i'm very as a person in general i'm very visual so if somebody comes up and gives me something on a piece of paper and says you know this is what i'm talking about or my dad's very mechanically minded so is my brother oh yeah the hoosier do is up in here and they're talking like this and i'm like no you have to show me on the thing (laughs) so i am so visual to where fishing shallow you give me miles of pencil reeds or lily pads or thick cover and like i said i can flip every single one of them that's my go-to where smallmouth I've done it before flipping them. I've caught them on buzz baits up shallow, that kind of thing, but more than likely rule of thumb, they're going to be open water and they move a ton. And so I'm slowly getting better at that, but like I have, I have never done well in a tournament after spawn for smallmouth. 
like seabird can't do I don't it. know I don't want to speak for you on this but I'm like the total opposite I'd rather fish open water spinning rod you know 20 feet deep like away from the bank I don't like the bank really oh. we try to fish away from the bank as much as we can so mm -hmm. and so, so like, is it do you think that's because of your use of like live scope and stuff or is that just oh, how you were sure. before yeah yeah no well before when if you don't have live scope it's almost impossible to fish anything besides the bank I mean you can't like like you said visually you can only visually see stuff on top of the water for the most part so like yeah but once you get live scope it's like a whole new world that you get to explore and i'm slowly i was i was the guy that when we first started in my dad's 18 foot lund no side scan so i'd have a big jig on or i'd have a most likely it was a half ounce texas rig and i was dragging and so some of the spots that i found on ashtabula came because i was blind casting a texas rig and dragging and all of a sudden i feel doom, doom. And you're like what <laughs> cast to the right doom, doom. cast to the left nothing and then you go through and then i got side scan on my boat and i'm like well no duh there's rocks there yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> or any other lake that i fished i was always dragging something and so i always struggled i would i i love fishing deep weed lines and i never had 360 i never had live on the boat and so i'd scan them mark my waypoints walk up front and i'd be blind casting the waypoints and you could find a little area since i am so visual since the only visual component i got to see was those little blue dots on the front graph it drove me nuts i would go out and fun fish it but i would not fish a tournament out deep because i felt like i was just you know pissing around especially with the guys yeah. who have the technology so now i got the 360 last year i got the mega live i'm slowly trying to get more comfortable because even with the 360 if you're spot locked i can see okay this rock vein does this or these weeds do that and then i'm seeing what's under the water so technically i am being visual so i'm mm -hmm. slowly getting off the bank but <laughs> it if i could just have the back graph on as of right now to get me navigation to my spot and turn all the garbage off and just go <laughs> flipping or top water something skipping docks that that would be me I'm I'm a spinning rod guy too. Like I'd rather catch largemouth, even like giant ones on a spinning rod, way more than baitcaster. But and I, I could see that because I've done it. Like I my big my seven six came on a freaking drop shot on Lake Fork. <laughs> I thought I was yeah. snagged in a brush pile. You know what I mean? Like I oh. I always tell the people this. I've never officially fished a brush pile, except the one that I got snagged on underneath a dock. I think somebody planted it or underneath a bridge. Somebody planted it for crappies because I saw tons of people fishing it for crappies. So I was like, well, if there's crappies there, the next week I threw my drop shot in there and I was dinking around. I have it on GoPro film somewhere. I was dinking around and I go like this and all of a sudden it starts running and I kind of just pull on it and it jumps and it jumped three or four times. I missed it with the net, whatever. So I've, I've officially fished one brush pile in my life and I caught it on a drop <laughs> shot. You know? So I, I've caught some bigger ones on that, but just, I don't know, you can't boat flip them with a spinner rod. No. <laughs> <laughs> So are you a spinning rod guy then too, Logan, or you got a bait cast in your hand? Yeah, a lot of spinning rods. I mean, that's just that's how we're confident in big fish, I guess. Mm -hmm. Red rigs and drop shots. But I don't know. It's pretty fun setting the hook hard on a half-ounce jig and a largemouth or even a Carolina rig dragging. A couple a years ago. What'd you say? Oh, go ahead. I was at any tournament, though, like I'd much rather spinning rod all day. Like, I don't know. I just don't like bait casters i don't i feel like i can't be connected 100 to the fish at all like there's always like either a little slack it's in it sometimes or some i don't know but 
Well, you got to throw your drop shot on a baitcaster. <laughs> I've never lost. A, I, we never lose fish on spinning rods most of the time. I, mean, I, really. I I did that last year. I threw the bubble shot on a baitcaster. Did you? Yeah. What, in James River? I, I Yeah, James River. I did it on Oneida. Um, did it fun fishing in Minnesota. Didn't I, I played around with a braid to leader. And I didn't like that. So I think I'm going to do it next year. If I do it, I'll do str- I'll have straight fluorocarbon on my reels. Cause then I can cut it off and add stuff. I played last year with the braid to leader at a 30 pound leader to a 20 pound uh, or 30 pound braid to 20 pound leader and everything. The only problem I ran into is I got, once I got mega live in the summer, before I went to Oneida, I would take a bubble shot and I was using, I don't know, a bio spawn, something shad looking thing. It was big, like five inches, four inches, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd see him on the mega live and I'd throw that thing to him. And I don't know what it was, if it was the bait, but they would crush it. The problem is if you have one right in front of you, same thing with your live scope, I go to throw it and my FG knot would get caught in the loops. Because oh. You just barely throw it like just a light pitch, you know, cause it's only, yep. it's right in under it ding, 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 and fall right, right in almost <laughs> in the thing. And you're like, this is stupid. You know, I threw, I did the same thing. I, uh, same thing on a spinning rod. If I'm lightly pitching it, I will go to a longer leader because then that bait gets a little momentum to shoot out there and go down. Yeah. And so it was super annoying. So next year I'm just going to go straight. I'll probably just do like a 12 or 15 pound fluorocarbon and I'll just drop shot on a bubble shotting on a straight fluorocarbon, which is normal. Our buddy always, that's all he used was bait casters. And yeah, yep. all like 15 pound fluoro, not all the time. Like, even the most finessey bait, that's all you use is that on baitcaster. Yeah, heavier, but so what are you guys' plans for 2023? What are some tournaments that you're doing and stuff like that? Or are you doing maybe more this year? Are you doing less? What do you guys got planned? Let's see. Well, we're starting, starting in Sturgeon Bay, May 18th. Okay. And then. A week or two after that, there's a high school tournament on New John's. So we'll hop into that one. And then what else do we got? Then it's June, I think. Then we're we're gonna pre-fish for Big Stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. End of May. And then yeah, so early June's Big Stone. Then the week after is the North Dakota High School State Championship. Where's that one at? Sakakuya, Hazen okay. Bay. And then End of June is the national championship and world finals in the, on the Mississippi River in lacrosse. And then Dakota Walleye Classic, we're going to do that one. Mm-hmm. That's a walleye tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't know what else. I, we talked about there's a college tournament next fall on Lake Hartwell. We mm-hmm. talked about going to that one. We might do that one. Hartwell's really fun. So. Yeah, I was going to say you got experience there. Yeah. It's like just how we like to fish. Deep. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, what is there anything this year that you guys think that you're going to try and get better at as in presentation wise, maybe graph wise, anything like that, that, or or do you guys even go into the year trying to dedicate to get better at something or you just kind of stick with your normal stuff? I want to get better at finding fish. Yeah. Better at pre-fishing. That's really our like thing right now is pre-fishing because it's like, even when we go to all these other places, if we can find a spot and like Logan and I, we can catch fish anywhere. We can catch it behind people. Like we don't have a problem with that. It's, it's finding the fish is that our problem is. I mean, we've been to lacrosse for five years and we like have only like two juice spots. Everything else is just like, we have nothing. So, yeah, I mean, 
that's what we want to get better at. Also, like switching up like little tiny like little things in your the technique you're doing to like get more bites. Cause like Sturgeon Bay, for example, like here you can throw any color swim bait, really anything for smallmouth will eat anything. Like it doesn't matter. And there it's like if your thing has the wrong flake color in the swim bait, you're gonna get less bites than the next guy who's throwing, you know, the special color that they need or or like yeah, or like line size there, it seems like makes a difference. It's so I, we want to get better at that, I think. So how do you the, how do you do that? How do you get better at pre-fishing? Uh I don't really What's know. What's your plan of attack? <laughs> um I don't even know. I mean, you can't say we don't research enough because we watch about every YouTube video on every body of water we go to. Yeah. But yep. I don't I know. I think it's like we I think we needed to start just like buckling down and kind of one zone and really picking it apart more because usually we try to like cover the whole area because we've never been there before yeah. and it's pretty impossible to like even like sort of cover anything to like really find fish in a lot of areas on these big lakes so mm -hmm. we try to stay in one zone and just hope <laughs> i don't know the other thing i've learned because you guys and i fish the same pretty much is i've learned to speed up and practice like I will go through like, especially in the, now I can't speak in my open thing cause I haven't done very well, but, um, what I've done even in locally is I go fast in practice. Like I fell in love. Like it, to me, it was too fast. I think it was stupid that people that threw a buzz bait, like I thought buzz baits were just dumb because they're going too fast. Like what about those, that fish that's in a semi medium or negative mood that you just buzzed right over and i go behind with my frog and work it really slow and i'll get that fish to bite mm -hmm. I, I would fish behind people at home on my local lake and a guy would go right through there and i go yep we're gonna catch fish behind him and zane would be with me he's like what do you know how do you know that like, guy was throwing a spinnerbait like throw my weightless <laughs> cinco up there or slowly twitch my frog and we catch fish behind him like i said in the tournaments i when to start fishing club tournaments I, I would look at i'd get done in two days i'd fish one little area so then I, I started, I wanted to get better at kind of like you're saying, I want to get better at speeding up. And so then I just, I picked up a buzz bait and I've actually fished with Sean Goodwin on the Arkansas river, who is like down there is like the king of the buzz bait and the Arkansas river. So it was my first day one. The guy threw a buzz bait from the first launch till we were done. He had two <laughs> of them tied up, had a black one that was loud and a white one that was somewhat silent. And he just all day, all day. I'm like, well. I fished a buzz bait a little in practice with, <laughs> with one of the guys that I had, and then I didn't have one. So I, he borrowed me a buzz bait for the tournament. Cause I was like, I'm going to catch him on this thing. Sean threw it and threw it and threw it and threw it. And he, I, I'll never forget this. We drove up this backwater who sure do like whatever way back up there. And he came to, there's water coming across on this little peninsula and there's a little tree. He threw the buzz bait. He was spot locked in there through the buzz bait three or four times. The black one picked up the white one three or four times, picked up the black one three or four times, nothing. And he actually did went to a spinnerbait. He threw a spinnerbait in there, slow rolled a willow spinnerbait, nothing, picked up the black buzzbait, caught a four-pounder. Oh, I, that fish is – I didn't <laughs> think she'd take that long to go. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And so he threw the, – the third cast of the day, he caught a five-pounder in this much water, it seemed like, on a buzzbait. What the heck? And so I brought it home, and I'll never forget this. We went to another local lake here the day after I got home. My wife hopped in the boat with me. My brother hopped in the boat with me. And we were fishing a buzzbait. And it's clack, 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 clack. Because I bought like four of them before I left. It's just the, <laughs> the booyah one with the little flapper on it. Super loud. And she yeah. goes, she's reading her book. And she goes, do you have to throw that? <laughs> I was like, why? She goes, that's annoying. 
Oh, they're so annoying. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but the fish, and they were not biting a buzzbait, I tell you that. So I, but I was going to throw it. She was at five, 10 minutes. She goes, okay, put that down. Like, okay. <laughs> I put it away. That's my funny buzzbait joke. But it, it made me, it made me speed up. And then like fish would miss it and I wouldn't care. Like I'd just keep going. Okay, mark away point. Keep going. And then I know, okay, I got five bites in this, bites or blow ups in this area. I know there's 15 fish here. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it, it kind of speeding up was counterintuitive to me. And it still kind of is in a way, but it allowed me to cover more area. And then I can decide what, you know, I can do from there. So that's the only way I've learned. And I'm, I'm not the best at, you know, learning how to pre-fish either. Um, my problem is, is I fish history too much too. And I don't go find new areas as much. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, that's like North Dakota. You don't have to find things in practice, which it, it's like, I wish we lived somewhere else sometimes. Cause it's like, it'd teach you so much more if you lived in a place that the lakes were actually tough to fish. Cause here lakes are, they're so easy to fish. Yeah. At some point, but I think in each lake you can find your, I think fish will get, move to a different area like stuff that doesn't look good on a graph i think fish more and more now will move to those areas like the ashtabula tournament for instance last year we fish when we fished against you guys you guys you guys won that one didn't you second the the two guys the edac guys and no that's right those guys won that so yeah we won it off there like after they left we pulled in there because they got there first and yeah i didn't see a single boat all day and in years past there'd be 10 boats around us. <laughs> so that instance is there is, they're moving to different areas. You know what I mean? Yes. You've got your community holes, but I, I fished three spots in practice that I never even had fished before in my life. And I found fish there <laughs> and we went back and fished them. And I was like, so even that's one instance for me, like, and then even on my home lake on Ida back home, where we got the cabin and I live at in the summertime. I'm finding fish in some of the most random places. Once I, I get really bored with spots, and so I go looking, and I strike out a lot, and then, okay, I'll just go to a freaking dock if I want to catch one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think another thing you can look at is that, and it might not be a juice hole where you get 10 fish. It might be one four-pounder. It might be one five-pounder. And I struggle at doing it. I've talked to guys where they say, oh, it didn't look like anything on side scan. Well, why did you fish it? Well, it it met certain criteria. So I think another way to do that too is don't hit the as obvious spots and then take, if you've got a spot that's this big and you know it's the juice, it's your juice, go and like side scan, whatever, find another spot that may be this big, but it's got one or two rocks on it and you only need one bite in a tournament. So Mm -hmm. it's not like it has to be loaded. Let's just say, that would be another instance that I've tried to do to where you get away from all your stuff. Like, yes, go check your stuff. Like, Ashbeal, I went and checked my stuff. They weren't really there. So then I just put the trolling motor on 10 and just went down the bank and was looking for stuff that was like that. And then there's three spots that I've never fished before in my life, and I grew up trolling for walleyes on that lake, and we were able to catch a, catch a couple, you know, better fish. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What is one of you guys' weaknesses for fishing? that you, you know, even maybe you got a couple that you think about or something you want to work on. Like what's a weakness that each of you guys have acknowledged that you have in fishing? Well, pre-fishing number one is like, that's, yep. we just went over that's the biggest weakness by far. But also I think, um, knowing when to leave. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Oh. Knowing when to leave. Like there's a lot of times where it's like, 
will stay and stay and stay. And pretty soon you wasted two hours. And I mean, now it's kind of like, I'm afraid of leaving the fish. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. you, can't, you can't leave the fish to find the fish, but I'll take another thing, North Dakota too, like the lakes that we fish often, it's like, you kind of get one spot and you sit there all day long. And eventually like, we know you're going to catch, like you might sit there for two hours with no bites and you're going to get another bite and it's going to be a nice one. But like mm-hmm. in lacrosse this year at the high school tournament, they sat on this one spot and it's like, you wasted, would you have an hour and a half with well, no bites? And you finally leave. The problem was we were, we would catch one once an hour. <laughs> so Just these, enough. Yeah. So after the last hour of sitting there with nothing, we're like, okay, it's 1230. We got till two thirty. We gotta go, so yeah. That's think, why we only waited in four. I think you yeah. would. You guys would have won if you would have left an hour sooner, right after. You yeah, because we had almost eleven, and first place was fourteen, and we the bites we were getting were usually big, and second place was only twelve. So if we could have yeah. got one keeper, we would have had second. And that's it's kind of counteractive to the way you guys grew up fishing on our lakes. Here is that sit there camp. You know they're here. They'll show up. They'll bite. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You go to other lakes. It's like. No, dude, like do the quote unquote power fishing thing and go to the ones that are biting and you are free to move around. You got so much more water. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's like, yeah, that's the tough thing for us because it's, I mean, you have those other lakes, unless you're like a local and you can spend like years perfecting the one juice spot more than likely you're not going to find that as an outsider coming into pre-fish for a tournament. You're not going to find like, the juice hole where you can sit all day so that's like one thing we need to do is leave sooner because i know there was there's was a spot in hartwell 50 feet of water right 50, was it 40 40 feet 40 feet of water we were drop shotting for largemouth and we were catching giant largemouth like four pounders like winning fish this tournament and uh the weather the one day just didn't set up right and we sat there for like four hours and then catch fish and then we had to go scramble and lost by eight ounces or didn't make the cut for the finals by any ounces, but yeah, live and you'll learn. No, and it's 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 always the tournament fishing in general, but especially tournament fishing, it really amplifies all the you know decisions you make or lessons that you've mm-hmm. learned and and stuff like that. And so that's gonna it's interesting. I found it interesting that you guys talked about like more strategy stuff when it comes to your weaknesses instead of like maybe like mechanics or you know, I really don't like the weightless wacky or you know that kind of thing you guys went more of a strategy both of you were more geared towards a strategy side of fishing and tournament fishing than more so the mechanics or a technique or something like that yeah we're both like i think big on like tournaments are way more of a strategy than anything else if you line up your cards right you're gonna and like how the pros they always say like rotations you got it's like the most true thing in fishing or especially tournament fishing like if you get off the rotation like one step wrong you're not gonna catch anything but if you're on the same spots and you're just like an hour you know different on the spots you'll just crush fish and that i mean it's true that's how it works but yeah you gotta have your milk run and then you know if you're you spend too much time here because you thought you could get a bite or you left too early Mm -hmm. blah 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 you hear a lot of guys talk about that on obviously your your tidal fisheries you know, running mm-hmm. the tide and, oh, I didn't, you know, I spent too long or blah, blah, blah. But it, it does happen. Your bite windows do happen the same way on your reservoirs and your natural lakes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so it, it's interesting because most people, when I ask that a strength or your weakness or something like that, we've already talked about a lot of your strengths, you guys, today. Um, they'll say, oh, it's it's a drop shot. Or I know for me, it's it's smallmouth fishing 
you know, summertime and, you know, post-spawn smallmouth. I know that for sure. I know it's also um, my electronics because realistically, if I didn't have to use them, I wouldn't, um, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's cool that you guys are geared towards, even at a young age, you're geared towards the aspect of, of the tournament side of things. I, maybe a crankbait. That's one thing we need to tie those on more because we hate them. We hate all treble hook baits with like with a passion. So why is I, that? We you lose, grew up doing it. We've lost too many fish on them. In is it your setups or what? No, it's just unlucky. Just like they pull off right underneath the boat, and you're even letting out the you know free spooling them, letting them go, and all of a sudden just pop off. And I mean, we. I, I think we could use a little work on our deep cranking. Yeah, deep cranking. Like on Pickwick we'd pull up to this flat we had and this boat was just whacking them on their 10 XDs and stuff. And I'm throwing my 10 XD. I just bought the week before <laughs> never thrown in my life. I'm just casting around and I mean, I'm not catching nothing, but then I pull out a drop shot and I catch them too. So it's like, I mean, yeah, I there's when it comes to crankbaits, I'm in the same boat, but you guys live on the side of the state where you should be throwing a crankbait. Do you, yeah. you guys have much for veg, vegetation down there in the lakes that you fish tournaments on? Or is no. it mostly like rock and lay down and stuff like that? Mostly rock. I mean, we throw them on Nelson. Just there's there's a crank bite, but otherwise, yeah, we don't really throw them. See, like and over we... here, it's vegetation. I don't throw a crank bait. I don't hardly. I own square bills at one time. I used to throw them. Now I don't like. And then when I went down south, I started buying all these little bomber one hundred, bomber two. I got a box full of just small crank baits. I might as well take them out of the boat when I'm up here because I can't use them. <laughs> and I am not the guy that went out there and like feathered them across the weed tops like a lot of guys do. Mm -hmm. Like I'll throw it at the home lake around docks on sandy part of the shoreline before the weeds come up. And then otherwise it's it's complete I mean you guys have seen it's literally Minnesota where I'm at or even on this eastern side of the state. It's like lacrosse all, yeah. all year. And so I don't use crankbaits and so that's why i bought a bunch of them down south and i throw them when i go down there but like to get real confident with them that's not so that was funny that you said that because you guys live on the side of the state where it's more <laughs> no vegetation lay downs rock and i thought you guys would have used those a ton i don't know i don't know why we don't really use them more, the big but... plugs work on nelson i mean i didn't catch a seven pounder or anything but i caught a few <laughs> fours and fives when the timing was right i was throwing a freaking seven xd yeah, on Nelson, when the, when the crankbite's going, it's you can't beat it. But yeah, it's only for a few days in the you and know they just shut off. Otherwise, yeah, you can't beat the. But it also it could days. be a pressure thing. I mean, you know, we talk about that lake a lot because that's your guys' home lake. But everybody and their dog goes out there when it gets nice because a lot of guys just go out there to drive their boats around, or they don't want to yep. take them in the river and stuff like that. So. I mean, if you can get good on a highly pressured lake, and maybe that's where you guys have instilled your confidence, I don't want to speak for you, but you're confident that you can catch fish all across the country because you've done it, but also you fish on, like, it's the toughest lake to fish in North Dakota when it comes to bass fishing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we'll sit and watch people go through our stuff and catch them. But, like, last year, the Nelson tournament, we sat and talked to the guy for two hours on one of our spots and just waited because we knew the tournament was going to be won there and we waited for him to leave and lose a couple. And then he left and then we sat there and we won it. And then he won right it just us. like that. Yeah. He was sitting on it for what, two and a half hour or two hours. Two hours. And we just sat there. We didn't even cast really. We were just waiting to get on it because we knew. Yeah. And that talk about pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk about, you no, know, maybe that's why your moving baits don't work, work yeah. as well in, in that aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's crazy. 
Yeah, because like I said, the, it's just interesting. You guys are geared towards that. So you said something about walleye tournaments. I want to touch on that. Also, you guys do the the walleye tournaments. So what what makes you want to hop in and kind of switch over back and forth? We just like beating walleye guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't really we don't pull live bait at all. Nothing like that. All we do is jig wrap mm-hmm. with live scope or or creek chubs. We do use creek chubs, but. Says he doesn't live bait, but then says he uses creek chubs. I yes, yeah, we don't <laughs> we don't troll at all. We just we just like we don't troll. So we'll throw a creek chub down like when we're jig wrapping, but otherwise we don't troll cranks, nothing like that. So you use jig, jig wraps all year long, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. June till October, November. I've caught two walleyes in my life on jig wrap. Logan hammers them on jig wraps. I mean, the the kid. I don't know why, but. He just crushes them on jigging wraps. Like he'll outfish me five to one, and I'm using the same bait in the same spot. He'll tell me where to cast because well, <laughs> I, I think it makes you a better bass fisherman because mm-hmm. I just use live scope. That's all I use. So I just look at the map, mapping, pull up to an island or a point, and then I just wait till I see a school of five or six of them. And then like you get, it's crazy how much like over time you practice like your distance, like thirty feet out, forty feet out. And you just drop it right on top of them and jig it a couple times, and it's it's amazing. <laughs> so that's the same equivalent to when you listen to the podcasts and stuff when the pros, they crappie fish in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. You guys are doing the same thing, except we don't have the abundance of crappie. We've got freaking walleyes. Walleyes. So that's the part of the reason before you know I got hurt this winter, I was going to take the Mega Live off my boat, and I was going to put it on an ice unit. And the only reason I was going to put it on an ice unit is, one, I... I'm kind of clumsy at things. I knew I was probably going to break it at some point, but I wanted to learn what fish size and species of fish are. And we've got five months where everything's froze, six months where everything's mm-hmm. froze up here. So basically everything, I mean, gets put away. We're not doing it all the time where the pros in Oklahoma, Texas, wherever are going crappie fish and they get it. So you guys are taking that and just chasing a different species. Yeah. You're hopping into some tournaments, but you're doing it, you know, and have learned on a technical side of mechanics and size of fish and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can, once you get down to, like, like, for most people, you wouldn't see a size difference, but you can tell, like, little details if it's fuzzier. Even it's how clear. they're set up, you can tell if they're mm-hmm. going to bite almost or not. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of points, like, walleye fishing, if you'll go through there and it's like, oh, they're not really where they should be, and then you'll come back through and they're set up right, and it's just, like, a light switch. And then on. if you find them stacked on top of each other, that's <laughs> how you know it's going to be a good So time. they're just, like, all the dots are lined up? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There was, a, there was a time last year we were pre-fishing for the Yarcraft owners tournament and we pulled up to the one hump and there's, I mean, hundreds of walleyes and as fast as you could catch them with a gene wrap, you were just crushing them. It's, it's crazy. Huh? Yeah. So and like, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, you guys go ahead. And like, we'll go through behind guys that are pulling live bait and we'll just sit and weasel in and out of their boats and just hammer them on gene wraps. And they're all mad at us, you know, cause we're in a bass boat. We shouldn't be walleye fishing, but we're crushing them and they're not so so do you get some grief from them while you're doing while you're fishing or at weigh-ins or anything like that no actually most of them like they love that that we're fishing in the the walleye tournaments i mean i think some like the weekend old guys kind of look at us weird sometimes but all the tournament dudes they all they all think it's great they all give us a hard time about oh you better hope it doesn't get wavy out yeah. there <laughs> we still outrun them so <laughs> i'll just run to the side of the lake where it's not wavy yeah. yeah, they don't. They don't. Re- I don't think walleye guys realize that bass boats can run in just big waves. You just you just gotta it, it. It's user mostly when it comes yeah. to that stuff. Like you gotta know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and you have to wear rain gear. 
Well, you it's know? not that you get that wet. It's just you have to be careful spearing them. I mean, yeah, if you mess up a little bit, you're gonna spear it. Like, yeah, yeah. There was the... a... Go ahead. Oh, last year in the the Yarcraft Owners Tournament, it was it wasn't supposed to get like it was supposed to get up to like 25, and so we ran 60 miles uh, west on Sakakawea up to the up the arm from 20 Garrison. miles on Sakakawea. That's big waves. 60 miles. 60. No, no, no. 20 mile wind. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 No, no. But so it was supposed to be 20, and we're like, oh, that's doable. And so we get up there, and we gave ourselves. I think it was like an hour drive or something like that. And we, so we gave ourselves an hour and a half because we we're going to stop in another spot Yeah. and we left and it was ramped up to like 45 mile an hour gusts or something like that. And uh, so we, it was, should have been a three hour drive. We, we did about, it too. We thought about quitting like three different times. Cause we had speared, we had water like above the, almost above the seats in the boat, like our yeah. were covered. And, uh, and so we got back in an hour less than we should have. We, we were like, two minutes before weigh-in or so yeah. two minutes before check-in like we barely made it back but there was there was times that we were driving our boat and uh we were so on the edge we were going like 62 63 and once you stopped you couldn't get on plane again because the waves were so big so it was a bit ridiculous it was probably the dumbest thing i've ever done but you know it was yeah because when i fished the i practiced for that tbf tournament out there in 17 i was free fishing with a guy and we were going to go from dakota waters to was it beaver bay or something yeah mm -hmm. and it was 10 mile an hour out of the east and we took off with the waves and we speared three of them at 10 mile an hour um <laughs> i got soaked because he didn't have a council on the thing and i was he's like yeah we're turning around and then like a guy <laughs> sunk his boat that tournament like they canceled the first mm -hmm. day because it's 30 mile an hour <laughs> winds second day a guy sunk his boat from like south dakota or something like that and like it's like i was yeah, like okay that lake is obviously nasty when you yes. get win. Sakakui, you got to know what you're doing. But yeah, like this was straight out of the West. So we, we at least got to drive with them. Yeah. But and then you, and was, there's a couple of points you can get behind and kind of do that whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We'd like, we got behind like the, the, where the, how the lake turned, cause we had to go 60 miles. So, I mean, you get behind a point and then you'd be able to run on like three foot, four foot waves, but then yeah. up again. And it was, I mean, 40 out of the West on Sakakui is like, I mean, the lake's like 180 miles long. It's like the ocean. So yeah, no. On on the Tuesday of practice on Oneida this year, it was if it comes out of the east, it's no bueno. And it <laughs> came out of the east, and so I they were calling for an east wind on tournament day. So instead of trailering to the east end to find something, I decided I don't have experience driving big waves. I went out in the big waves on purpose <laughs> in practice, and I spent. A couple hours learning how to do it. And my buddy Kent, I call him, hey, what do I need to do? You know, he told me how to feather it and all this stuff. And so we're, I was going up, and I remember one time I felt like I was going to go backwards. Like the boat was straight <laughs> up, and, and then we slowly slide down. And I'd get it up to his boat would break over at 18, like start his bass cat would break over. Mine was, or no, his bit would break over at 15 or something like that. Mine, the Skeeter was 18. So I go three mile an hour fast, but I, I went out there and I practiced just driving around. So I learned how to do it. And I went to the East end. It took me a while. I found a few spots where I caught some large mouth and, um, that kind of thing. And then of course, tournament day, it didn't blow at all. So I was able to fish on the, on the West side, but, and that's one thing guys aren't used to either is North Dakota is there's no trees hardly ever, especially out where you're at. So our lakes, if you're, it's a big body of water, it'll get big. Even Ashtabula, if you get a north or south wind, the lake will get oh, pretty yeah. big for yeah. how narrow yeah. it is. 
Well, and our lakes too. Our lakes are narrow, so like our waves, like they the don't gap, have time to ramp up. The, the troughs aren't big enough to, to ride like, them drive, like twenty miles an hour through them. So it's either you got to go like ten and just ride with them, or, or you got to go like fifty and rip over them and hope Skip you don't the top. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like the great. It's not like the Great Lakes where you can just there's you know eight footers, but they're so far in between you can drive twenty five and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I tried to do the same thing. I, I, this year we went up to devil's Lake. I had the mega live and 360. I was like, cause we go up there for four or five days at the end of July. And I was like, I'm going to catch walleyes with on mega live. That's my goal. I ran to rock piles. Couldn't find them. I ran mm-hmm. to humps. Couldn't find them. I ran to points. Couldn't find them. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Out come the freaking spinners. And I'm out there freaking trolling spinners with my bass boat and i love trolling spinners for some reason i've me and my buddy in high school we almost won a tournament on Asheville trolling spinners <laughs> for walleyes but it's like the nice thing now is i'm using my graphs more so this year the years past we have one little spot in a mud basin where if you side scan it you won't see any fish because they're in the mud you drive over it on the down scan you'll see the dots and where i fish like i said we're so full of weeds i if i bass fish i don't see fish like ever mm-hmm. like never see fish i have no experience very little seeing fish whatever on the side scan or down scan or down side scan i should say where you guys i don't know about your maybe not nelson because it's maybe so much dirtier got carp and stuff there but do you guys find that you can see fish a lot more where you got your rocks and stuff like that like you can see fish on your side scan more honestly we like rarely ever side scan especially really? around here. Not, not in north dakota no, yeah we don't we we just we usually just throw the pan out or live scope down and then just use that instead because you can I, it seems like you can get a little better separation and then you mm-hmm. can kind of tell what's a fish and what's rocks a lot of times in North Dakota it's like the rocks are like perfectly sized of the same fish that you yeah. see and we have like you know you mud bottom with rocks mixed in so they all look like fish it's hard to tell what's what but and then down scan if you I found the down scan works good but you got such a small cone angle yeah, it would take it, it would yeah. you could it would take so long to find. Yeah, like like live scope, we'll just pull up to a point, like even walleye fishing, put it on nine speed and you can just back and forth just sweeping and you can find if they're there or not. And our buddy, he likes to troll spinners with live scope and he'll just put it down and point wherever the fish are and he'll just go just weave drive right over them. Yep, that's all he does. God, because we did we did the same thing up there in the mud bottom, and then your bite was literally a rod got heavy, like or sometimes mm-hmm. like the bottom bouncer would get caught in the mud, and you pull forward. Sometimes it'd be a fish, sometimes it wouldn't. And we were catching big ones. It's the only place we, my dad and I, could get a freaking bite. Like I went to the bridges, I went to the rock piles, all that stuff, and I dropped the live down there and didn't see a fish. So I don't know. It's probably just me. But then we go there, and I actually got the three sixty running. Cause it's a mud bay that goes up to trees and we got the 360 running. We fished it for three years now. This year I had the 360, put that on, put it on my back graph. So I had, um, the map pulled up with one with down scan and side scan. And then when we got close to the trees, I turned the 360 on and I drove our boat through the trees. So we wouldn't get snagged on with the spinners. <laughs> and we were, when the sun came up, the fish went into the trees and we drove through the trees and caught <laughs> walleyes doing that. Otherwise, awesome. otherwise it's the same thing. So I'm hoping this year we can get up there and I can, you know, I want to do the jig and wrap. I've caught more bass on a jig and wrap than walleyes. <laughs> and so it's one of those. And like I said, that to me is combat fishing, dropping down, snapping it. They smoke it. It's the same. Mm-hmm. I compare jig and wrap walleyes to flipping a Texas rig for bass. Like it's the same thing. It's hand to hand combat. Yeah, it's combat. like the same. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's what, yeah. what I want to do this year, but no, that's, that's sweet that you guys jump into jump and do that. And you guys do other things. We were talking about, you guys fish for burbot, um, bass, mm-hmm. walleyes. I mean, you guys are pretty well-rounded for chasing other species too. Yeah. We always say like, if we had more time to fish for other things, it'd be kind of fun, you know, just copy yeah. a giant more than, you know, pike and stuff like that, but we're too busy with bass. That it's hard to get around to that stuff. So even in the do- spring, oh God. Yeah. No, go ahead. Even in the spring, like on the Missouri, it's, I'd love to get out for walleyes more, but it's like hard to choose between that and bass fishing. I'd rather go catch giant bass. So, and if you were here, you would go to the Missouri because there are none of your bass lakes are open, but where you're at, you have the opportunity to go out there and bass fish. Yeah. 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 The best thing I like doing is if I switch it up and I go crappie fishing and it's only pre-spawn and spawn because I know where they're at, found them. I can do it, whatever. Or like walleyes is my biggest thing is I love to eat fish. And so like if I could go out and just fill the freaking live wells full, that would be the harvest season. If you could use your technology and, and do what <laughs> you guys are doing the same thing. Like that's now I'm not, I'm not opposed to, I will put a, I will release some bass to the grease though. Don't go, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Maybe not out of Nelson. No, yeah. no, not. those are radioactive. Yeah, you'll turn like, green or something. The, there's probably a, there's a, probably a double digit out there with as much radioactivity that's going on out there. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's probably up in like the warming pond where he can't get to. Yeah, because that's where he used to be able to get to. Can't you? Could you? Back I in the day, isn't that where the state record caught was up in there? I don't think no. The guy in the state record, they caught him on the dam. They used to throw. Well, this guy, he caught on a jig, but I know, like, I've talked to a couple old guys, and they used to sit at the dam with spoons, like, back in the 80s and 90s, and they'd catch giants, like, with big, like, tre- like daredevils back in the day. Really? Like, big spoons were even a thing in bass fishing. They were hammering them out there. Huh. So, do you think the biggest fish are up there in those warming ponds, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And you still don't think there's a state record in there? I think there is. There is, but you probably can't catch it because it's up there. Yeah. There's got if people can catch a seven pounder, it's not that hard to get one a pound and a half bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. If was it seven pounder caught during the spawn though? Yeah. I don't know. I've heard of people catching sevens in January. But they're still they're, full. Yeah, they're full yeah. of eggs. I was gonna say if you caught one in the summer that was seven pounds come spring, she's eight. Yeah. You know, with a with that much eggs. Yeah, the biggest ones we've ever caught. I've caught a like, six in the summer. Yeah. But yeah, it was like a 23 inch long six. It probably would have, it would have been a giant if it had eggs in it. Yeah. I mean, I think you add about a pound, a pound and a half, depending on the fish size, you know, roughly um, when they, when they go to spawn. Yeah. So are you yeah. guys, are you guys able to do a lot of quote unquote bed fishing out there? Well, you can't see anything. Not really our way. No. What about but, other lakes besides Nelson? Are they clear? New Johns, you can do a little bed fishing. The cockawheel you can audubon we've bed fished a little on audubon they just don't they're weird up there they don't like to bite very good if i'm going bed fishing i'm going out east mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's getting worse and worse it would yeah yeah huh but i didn't know if like any of those other lakes besides like is there any largemouth lakes that you could maybe do it other your water's pretty dirty uh there's one but it's Tough. away from your house yeah it's hmm. like three hours but we we've started doing it now with live scope. So. so how's that? I know you you told me about it last year. You're like, yeah, we can see the beds, and I'm like, well, 
Good for you. Yeah, well, if if you if you know where they're at, like where the big ones are going, because yeah, like we'll follow them all the way, like pre-spawn to where like and you can stay on there. them, and then, then you know disappear. where. They're... Yeah, you can kind of see it because like the one spot's like pretty much all mud, and yep. so if there's a hit that you know if there's a thing there, it's a fish, and the one time we sat on it for like forty five minutes, and we finally caught it. Is that where you told me to go at the end of the day? No, different spot. Because where you told it me to like, go, we went in there. And we mm -hmm. saw three beds on 360, but it <laughs> yeah, took, that, like, it... we had to get it in the right position because mm -hmm. it was so muddy in there. And then it was like getting dark. That was the time where like we should have left before talking to you at the end because we had a three hour drive back home. Yep. And and then we started, I told you guys to start catching them on a buzz bait. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, we are not leaving. And they yeah. bit all almost to dark. And I was like, okay, Austin, the guy that was with me, I said, we need to go try and find these fish like they were talking about. And we got in there and positioned and put the poles down and we we're looking. I'm like, it's to the point where I'm like, I think that's a bed, but this is the <laughs> second time I've ever used a 360. And then he threw in there, or I threw the buzz bait over top of what I thought was one. There's some vegetation there. And it came up and just kind of, oh, I'm like, that's a bed fish he flipped the jig in there don't it was a four pounder and then we saw another bed and he threw over there and like he was dragging it and all of a sudden the beam went by and it moved it was off and the beam came back and i was like she's on it and i was basically watching the fish for him on the 360 and he got her to bite and it missed it we never got it to go again <laughs> we like we like going to spearwood and bed fishing that's fun mm -hmm. and basically spearwood is the same thing as like western minnesota like there's lakes that I go out there. Like I've put on some Instagram reels where you let go of the fish and you can watch fish swim 15, 20 feet down. Yeah. Yeah. Like those, those are, and that's basically I do. I know where a couple of them are going, a couple of areas where the pre-spawners are going. So I'll catch them pre-spawn. I'll do the bed fishing thing. Basically I do bed fishing thing like once a year, twice a year because mm -hmm. the smallmouth are so dumb out there that you can like, we've, we've caught one. I've taken Zane and his brother out there. We caught one five times. Yeah. Just to see. yeah, I was like, I'm not happy about it, but we wanted to see how many times we could do it. And that was it. But largemouth bed fishing is what I like to do out there because they're so stubborn. Like they, and I do it on the home lake a lot. I've never caught like a big one, three, four pounder. That's the biggest, but like, yeah, I use that as uh, how the elites or BPT, how those guys fish the professional leagues, because those largemouth most likely are what you're fishing in those bed tournaments in Florida mm -hmm. or whatever, wherever that, and they're tough. Like, even if you can see them, you can stay back. It takes a while. Yeah. You got to work for them. Yeah. And sight fishing is my, like, I love to do it because like I said, I'm visual, but so it, um, it, they night and day, what a small mouth and large mouth are night and day. Sturgeon Bay is like that too. The, the small mouth are like, it has to be on the one little rock in its bed and you have to make it mad, you know, for 30 minutes for, before it bites. It's not like North Dakota, we're spoiled here. They just bite anything. That gets... And that's why I tell everybody about the, we're spoiled with the walleye fishing too. I said, mm -hmm. give me a dirty water walleye. They're the stupidest thing in the world. Oh yeah. They're stupid. You know, and, and we're Minnesota. They're like, Oh, daylight. You got to use this size line and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I use yellow braided line on my spinning yeah. rod. Don't even use a leader, and I'm catching walleyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, well, I don't want to take any more of you guys' time. I really appreciate you guys hopping on, dropping some knowledge bombs and stuff like this, and it's really cool to kind of pick your brain on how you guys um, go about it. Uh, I think 2023 would be a good year for you guys. And like I said before, um, appreciate you hopping on, and you kind of 
kind of gave up a little bit of a juice on strategy yeah. wise. <laughs> I mean, not even, I know we've dropped some name lakes and stuff, all that, that, you know, all that stuff. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I think the mindset going in, if there are anybody, you know, especially high school fishing is pretty young in our, our state. And, and we're going to do some stuff here at the local high school to try and hopefully get some more act, you know, kids active in it or whatever. But I think the mindset going in that you guys talked about is, is kind of, you can tell you guys have fished a few tournaments in your day. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having us. It yeah. was fun. Thank you. It was a good time. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning into the Pop, a.k.a. the Press Outdoors podcast. We'll catch you later. <laughs>